It's an amazing day. Uh, about 2,000 years ago, this is the day that Jesus came out of the grave and, and was raised. Um, amazing time. You know, in Christmas, we have to guess the birth you know, of Jesus. That's just a tradition that's come down. But we do know that this is the day that Jesus raised that almost 2,000 years ago because this is... Um, Jesus was, was executed during the Passover festival, and that's what happened here in the last few days. And during, in, in the years since, you know, it's amazing how the resurrection of Jesus has changed the world. Uh, you look at, at our society in, in general, you look at the world, is that with, with Jesus coming, everything is different because of that. Going back 2,000 years, there's, um, there's a lot of people that saw the resurrection or saw him raised from the dead. And if they didn't see him, they were there. And their lives and their testimonies share something that we, uh, we have built on over time and understand that because they saw Jesus, they wrote, wrote it down. And, and that is a fact of history that Jesus came, came from the grave. We've talked about that in our Wednesday night family Bible discussion time, why we can believe that. And so we're going to look at one example today or, or one... Uh, I'll fa- do I fast forward through this? Oh, back to the catacombs. Here we go. All right. Well, uh, IT guys will get it up and, and rolling. We're going to look at a guy that we only see mentioned three times in Scripture, a guy named Nicodemus. And we don't know a whole lot about him, but we know enough about him to see an amazing example that uh, gives us some things to think about and how he interacts with the, the resurrection of Jesus. And... We're going to start way back, way before Scripture ever says anything about Nicodemus. And there's a lot of things we don't know about Nicodemus. So what, the story I'm going to share, you know, some of it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when, when I'm speculating here, okay? Because there's times, there's things that we just don't know. And we do that with any character sketch that we see in Scripture. But Nicodemus is, is a Jewish man that comes to Jesus and speaks to him. But long before that, Nicodemus would have been someone that from a very early age would have studied this, the scriptures, uh, the Old Testament is what we call it now, and would have come to know a whole lot about, uh, about the words of God. It was common for Jewish men to, and, and women to have large portions of the Old Testament memorized, and that was the ordinary uneducated people. But those that continued to, to go on and continued to, their families had the funds to be able to finance it, were able to sit with people like Gamaliel, great teachers of the Jewish people, that taught about what it meant to be a Jewish person, and this is who God was, and and spoke a lot about this great king that was going to come and was going to set everything straight. And Nicodemus would have known those scriptures frontwards and backwards. And what we do know about Nicodemus is that as he grew up, he became associated with a group of religious people called the Pharisees. And imagine as Nicodemus was growing up, he would have looked out at the religious landscape and, and been influenced by his parents and the people around him, but saw that there was a group that controlled most everything that happened within the Jewish nation, at least politically, called the Sadducees. They were very wealthy landowners. They had a, a lot going for them and that the, they were in favor with the Romans. And the Roman armies were the occupying force there in Israel at the time. And so the Sadducees sat on the Jewish ruling council, a council of 70 people. And, you know, years ago in the times of Moses, long, long before this, it was people that were called uh, by the, they were recognized as being elders or, or people of respect among the Jewish nation. And they would come together and they would, um, in the times, especially after Moses, it started during that time. But they would come and they would work to shepherd the people of God. That was part of what their role was. 
Well, by the time it comes down to the, the life of Nicodemus, many of these positions on the Sanhedrin, as it is called, are bought and sold. But there's a few people with good hearts that sneak in there. And so Nicodemus is one of these guys that is, as he is growing up, he must have looked around to the religious landscape and said, well, the Sadducees is not something I want to be a part of. Maybe he didn't have the finances. Who knows the reason he didn't go that direction. But he is attracted to another group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were people that, that looked back at the history of, of Israel and said, man, we missed out on so much because we jumped into idol worship, we jumped into all this kind of stuff, and it was just a disaster for our people. And so we're going to go a different direction. We're going to walk to the other side and follow God to, to the degree that nobody has ever seen possible before. Now, we understand as Jesus' interactions with them that they had gone to a legalism that was, that was beyond what God ever anticipated. But for Nicodemus, he is, in his place in life, he sees that these Pharisees must be some people that, that are dedicated to the, the Word of God, and they, they really delve into the Word of God, and so that's the direction he's going to go, and he starts following them. And he, he becomes more and more important. He must have been a, a guy that was very sharp, very intelligent, and for whatever reason and however he got there, we don't know. But Nicodemus ends up being one of these men that ends up on the Jewish ruling council. Jewish ruling council made up almost exclusively of Sadducees and a few Pharisees made their way into this ruling council. And Nicodemus is one of the vast minority there. You can imagine that uh, Nicodemus is, is one who, as he is serving on this council, he uh, looks at his life and he has a heart that is different than most of the people that are serving on this council at this point in time. And works to try to bring the message of God back to the people. And tries to, uh, to shepherd the people of Israel in that way. And tries to, to bring people back away from some of the political discussions that continue to be on the table to focus on just what, what God wants them. No matter what the, the Romans think, we need to do what, what God wants us to do. And so Nicodemus as he is serving on this Jewish ruling council, starts hearing rumors, just like the rest of them do, that there is this person out there that comes from Nazareth, you know, way up north, that he is going around and he's teaching, and people are going out and listening to him in these huge groups. And maybe, you've, maybe Nicodemus has, has heard Jesus at this point in time. We have no idea. But the rumors are going around. Who is this Jesus? And is he, is he this king that's going to come? Some people are even whispering that that Jesus is this king that has been prophesied about for thousands of years that was going to come and to, to change everything and make everything as it should. And maybe in the back of Nicodemus' mind, he's thinking, man, I would love to meet this guy. I would love to get nose to nose with this guy and see what he is all about and see what's going through his head. Because I hear the stories about him doing all these miracles. I hear stories about the teachings that he gives that are, that are, that are different. And I wonder what this looks like. And one day Nicodemus gets his chance. And when you look at, I've, we'll look at the, the next couple of scriptures uh, from John that talk about Nicodemus specifically. But I'm just going to put some scriptures up here. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus gets his opportunity. And he approaches Jesus, and this is what he says. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And so what Nicodemus is doing here is he is not giving a confession of faith to Jesus. He is... Finding common ground. Okay, it was common 
in introductions to people at this time that you say something positive that encourages them so that you can start this dialogue. And so Nicodemus is showing, I want to see what this guy's really making this guy tick. And so I'm going to throw this out here. Now, I know I hear all the stuff that you do, and it's amazing, and there must be some great stuff coming from God in what you're doing. And Jesus responds, you know, you imagine most people would have said, well, thank you very much. Yes, that is true. God is working in me greatly. Let me show you. Okay? But Jesus says something different. He says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, Nicodemus knows very well this discussion of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the nation of Israel as he understands it, this kingdom that is supposed to be set apart and supposed to be different from everybody else around. And so Nicodemus, you can imagine, he's a bit puzzled at this because he's thinking, wait a minute, this teacher that I've just complimented to try to start this spiritual discussion just turns it around and says, wait a minute, unless you are born of water and spirit, you can't come into this kingdom of God unless you're born again. He gets to that next part here in just a second. And so Nicodemus responds and says, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus, what are you saying? You've just thrown this out there, and I don't understand what you're talking about. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And Nicodemus must have scratched his head at this point in time. And Jesus continues to share, if you look at John chapter 3, continues to share the difference between what it means to be, be born of the flesh and born of the Spirit. And part of being born of the Spirit is you can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see it, but you see the effects. And I'm sure that Nicodemus left this discussion at this point in time, but scratching his head, trying to figure out, what on earth is this about? This Jesus guy that I've heard so much about, I went and spoke with him, and he said some things that were very confusing to me. And remember, as, as you look through this, Uh, this section in John chapter 3, that Nicodemus doesn't come in the daylight. He doesn't come when Jesus is teaching in the temple. He comes at night. He comes at a time where maybe nobody's going to see him. But he comes and that he does not want to make a big ruckus or or stir the pot. He just wants some one-on-one time with Jesus there or with a few people that are around to get nose-to-nose and see what this guy is all about. So as Nicodemus walks away from this discussion, you can imagine the confusion, the head-scratching he's got going on, thinking, what on earth does it mean to be born of water and spirit? I wonder what on earth this guy's talking about. And Nicodemus goes his direction, and Jesus continues to, to, to rise in, in prominence. There's discussions. It seems like everywhere Nicodemus turns, there's some discussion about somebody that went to see Jesus and the message that he heard. He hears it from the religious leaders as they huddle in their corner. They talk about, wait, we've got to do something about this Jesus guy because he's stirring the pot, he's creating problems with us, and the last thing we need is a headache right now. And, and people get excited and they follow this guy. And then Rome comes in and, and lays the, the hammer down on us. That's not what we need here at this point in time. And one of these discussions, if you go to John chapter 7, we'll see it happen. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 7. If you go all the way back to chapter 7, verse 32, it says, The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. So they're just going to go arrest Jesus, get him nose to nose, and see what, what he's doing here. And they send these temple guards to go and speak to Jesus. And Jesus speaks to them and teaches them in a way that touches their hearts. And you can see some of the things that he says. Like in the, 
you see where Jesus speaks in verse 37. It says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within him. This, this, this living water, this, this stirring is going to, to, to live within you. And these, uh, what happens is the guards that were sent to arrest Jesus uh, end up sitting there and listening and listening and listening to what he has to say. And if you go down to verse 45, it says, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. <laughs> so the guards sat there and listened and, uh, and, were, con- and were convicted or convinced by him in, in some level. Verse 47, You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there is a, there is a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. And so you see that here, you can imagine Nicodemus in this situation. The religious leaders and his friends, the people around him, are stirred up and they're angry because Jesus is making an impact. Even the guards that they go to descend to arrest him are come back scratching their heads saying, man, we've never heard anybody teach like this before. And of course, the religious leaders blow up there and Nicodemus in the middle of all of it says, wait a minute, why don't we just listen to this guy? Let's just listen to see what he has to say. Why can we convict him without listening? And they just, just say, are you from Galilee too? Which is an insult for, from them. Look into it. Prophet's not supposed to come from there. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. That's where the prophets are supposed to come from. Jesus fits Scripture very well. But that's not what they're interested in. They're afraid because they're going to lose some authority here. And so Nicodemus, you can imagine him walking away from this discussion thinking, wow, boy, it's already rained upstream. It seems like this guy is guilty no matter what he does. But there's maybe something that's just... just One of those little voices way in the back of Nicodemus' mind is saying, wow, you know, there's something to this Jesus guy, but I'm not going to stick my neck out for him at this point in time either. I would like to listen to what he has to say, but I just can't get out of my head what he said before. If you're going to come into my kingdom, the kingdom of God, you've got to be born of water and spirit. And I, I don't understand what all that means, and I'm still wrestling through this. As time goes on, we see that... um, there is uh, more and more discussions of Jesus continue to come up. There's more and more people are talking about him. And you hear that Jesus is going to show up for this Passover. And people are ecstatic. And you hear that Jesus does come into town. And there's people that are shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And, and laying down palm branches as Jesus comes in on this donkey. And you hear about all of it. And... And you're thinking, I wonder, <laughs> this is going to be a pretty crazy Passover. Whatever's going to come out of this, my job is not going to be easy. I know that. And a couple of days go by, and Jesus is teaching in the temple courts, and, and maybe Nicodemus is there for part of it. And he, maybe he's there during the time where Jesus finally just tells the religious leaders, you are keeping people from coming to God because of your traditions and your politics. You are removing people from, from the people that just want to come to God and they want to hear the message of God. You're, you're going, doing the opposite of what you're claiming to do. And you hear the discussions from the religious leaders saying, all right, this is done. We've got to get rid of this guy. And you are at home with your family. Nicodemus is at home with his family. 
And there's a servant comes rushing in and says, they've got him. The religious leaders have got him. You need to come right now. They're going to put him on trial right now, and you need to come. And so you, Nicodemus puts on his robe, and he, he, he runs, and he goes into the, 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 where the uh, Sanhedrin meets. And it's just chaos. All chaos is broken loose there. And there's people screaming. There's people yelling. There's, there's all of this, and, and it's attracting a crowd. And so there's people out there in the courtyard that are watching, that are listening to this all happen. And you get there, and there is... Um, you can see that this trial is not much of a trial at all. But it is people accusing Jesus of all sorts of different things. And you see some of these witnesses that are being brought forth that are saying, hey, a couple of days ago Jesus said he's going to tear down this temple. That's blasphemy. We need to put him on trial right here. And you recognize some of these people. And everybody knows that these people that are there right now are not spiritual people. But they're people that are around town, that if you give them a few bucks, they'll say anything. And everybody knows that. And so you're seeing all this this come down. And, and maybe Nicodemus says something in the middle of that trial when he is uh, gets to cast his decision whether they, they execute Jesus. Now his thumb goes down with a few others. But far and away, the anger and the rage of the Sadducees carries the day. And Jesus is shipped off to Pilate, the Roman governor, because the, the Jews knew that they were not supposed to execute people, but they did whenever they felt like it. But the problem was is that if someone is popular in the community and the people are listening to his words and he's doing miracles and the Jewish leaders execute him, then that's not going to go well. You're going to lose authority. So you've got to figure out a way for the Romans to do it. And so the Jews figure out a way. They put, put him on trial there, take him to the Roman governor, and Jesus is condemned. And as Nicodemus goes home later that day, imagine what's going on in his head. He's thinking back maybe to when he was a child, thinking, man, I remember when the Word of God came alive to me. And I was so excited about what it meant to serve God and to follow God that I wanted to share that. And I thought that maybe being a part of the Sanhedrin, I could bring something good back to the people of God. And I never expected it to be this difficult. I never expected it to look like this. I never expected to, to constantly being trying to figure out how to, how to free innocent people that don't need to go be executed on a cross. And he goes home and he spends the, the Passover with his family. But it's a Passover that is, that is dark. It's a Passover that's frustrating. It's a Passover that is, doesn't have a the meaning it does at times, and it seems like Nicodemus is just distracted because of all that is happening. And uh, there's strange things that are happening here with, uh, with Jesus. Is during this execution, it goes dark for a while. There's earthquake. There's Romans that are walking around saying, that's the weirdest thing that I've ever been a part of, that execution. And maybe this person is the Son of God. And you hear them talking about this. And you can imagine thinking, this isn't good. Whatever's just gone down here is not good. And I'm not sure uh, what I'm supposed to do about it. And you're continuing. You go back to home, and you're there with your family. And the, the day after the Sabbath, something happens. Another servant comes in and says, wait a minute, something really strange has happened. There's some ladies that have been running around with this Jesus guy that have just come and said that he's, he's, he's not there anymore. And you think, wait a minute, that's not possible because I know that I was there when he was buried. If you look at John chapter 19, go ahead and turn there. John chapter 19. 
verses 38 through 42. This is after Jesus is executed. It says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he was afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now, we understand that Joseph is part of this Jewish ruling council as well. That's mentioned in the Gospels. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Understand what, what Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea do here. They're two people that are part of the Jewish ruling council here. And we understand in, in other parts, in, in, like I mentioned, the, the rest of the gospel also, that, that Joseph of Arimathea was one of the votes that did not consent to executing Jesus. But he's still part of that Sanhedrin. He's part of the 70 elders there. And so out of that 70, there's two of them here that show up and say, you know, the least we can do is give Jesus a, a decent burial after all of this mess. And Nicodemus shows up with 75 pounds of, of perfume and, and spices. You know, a lot. Nicodemus has got some cash flow in order to do something like that. And they show up, they wrap Jesus' body, which, by the way, um, it, after touching a, a dead body, the, um, that changes what, how they can celebrate the Passover in the next days. Okay, So they prepare the body, they put it in the tomb. And when Nicodemus hears that, oh man, there's some people that have gone up there and said that, the, that Jesus is gone. And we don't know anything else about Nicodemus from Scripture except that he was there when Jesus was buried. He was part of that. You can imagine what Nicodemus thinks at this point in time. He's thinking, no way. I was there. I paid for the spices. I brought them. I was there when I wrapped them. And we put him in that tomb. And I know the Romans came and sealed it because the religious leaders are afraid that his body was going to be taken away. And it's gone. Jesus' body is gone. And people are going around saying that he is raised. And over the next days, what happens is there's rumor after rumor that comes around of people saying that Jesus is raised from the dead. And you as a religious leader, Nicodemus as a religious leader, he is trying to go around to figure out if this is true, if this has happened, and what is all this about? And he, uh, there's rumors about Jesus is there, people run over there. There's rumors about Jesus is there, people run over there. And you seem to never, Nicodemus never seems to be able to, to see him, never seems to be able to find him. And about a month and a half goes by, and the next festival is, is coming up. And Jesus' leaders, have, have, or Jesus' followers, have been really laying low. You can't hardly find them. But something happens at Pentecost, and there is, you hear this rumbling. You hear, it's like a great wind. And all of a sudden, some of these people that have been following Jesus come out, and they're speaking in these different languages, languages that people from all over the world have come to 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 be there, to be part of the Pentecost celebration. They're hearing the message of Jesus in their own language. And this guy Peter, this fisherman from up in Galilee, is talking about all of these different uh, mess, the, the stories of Jesus. 
and what he came to do. And what you see happening there is as people hear the message of God, hear the message of this kingdom that Jesus is, has brought, and uh, as according to Peter, this, this crazy fisherman from Galilee, that all of this Old Testament prophecy about Jesus being the king or being the Messiah, that, it's, that's true. That's, that's the case. And we can know that's the case because Jesus raised from the dead. You can imagine... Nicodemus, being a religious leader, the religious leaders were there in Jerusalem during, fest, during those religious festivals. He would have been there. He would have heard about this if he wouldn't have seen it himself. And just imagine if Nicodemus is standing there and he sees people being baptized, being born again in water and the Spirit, the same thing that Jesus told him at night, however long before. He said, if you want to be part of my kingdom... Be born of water, be born of the Spirit. That's how this works. And Nicodemus is standing there seeing all of this happen. He must be thinking, oh, this is what Jesus was talking about. This is it. This is the kingdom that he spoke about. I never dreamed that he would be executed, raised from the dead, and now his kingdom is here. I would have thought that he would have led armies against Rome. That's what I anticipated. But we see that Nicodemus, after Jesus raises from the dead, and after he sees there at Pentecost, that people are born of water and spirit. Nicodemus really is left with a choice. You can imagine he's got a choice here. That he can walk away and say, Man, I've got so much to lose. If I decide that I'm going to follow this Jesus guy, I'm going to lose my position with the religious leaders. I'm going to lose, I may lose family, I may lose wealth, I may lose all sorts of stuff if I follow Jesus. And he could, like so many at this time, would have heard the words of Jesus and, and been familiar with them and said, the cost is too much and I'm going to walk away. I can't do that because I've got too much to lose. Or Nicodemus could have saw this, all of this and said, no, there's something to this. This is not the type of king that I anticipated, not the type of king that I expected, but this is the king, and this is the king that I've been waiting for. And because he is the king that I've been waiting for, he told me before he was ever executed, before, you know, before, he was, before the, the mess happened, that I need to be born of water and spirit. And that's, I remember Peter's words, that be born of water, baptized... For the forgiveness of sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your generation, and, and your children, and for, for all who are far off. This is what, what Peter tells the people there. And so Nicodemus would have wrestled with this and said, Am I going to submit to God and become part of this kingdom? Or am I going to walk away? And you know, I wonder, there's, there's a lot of questions that, um, that I sure want to ask someday. What we don't know is how Nicodemus chose. We don't know. We don't have any any more uh, in Scripture about Nicodemus, um, and so we're left with wondering, what choice did Nicodemus make? And and I hope to think, with the heart that Nicodemus demonstrated at different times that we see, that Nicodemus would have said, "Yes, I will make that jump, even though it costs me much. I will make that jump because Jesus did raise from the dead." And so for us, we have. We have the same choice. Now, 2,000 years later, we have the same choice. Is we can allow the, the, 
the world we live in, the lives that we live to, to lead and say, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to, to go my direction. And maybe if I have a little time for Jesus here on the side, I, I give that. But I'm going to go my direction. And, man, it's, it's sure easy to make that decision. But the, the thing that should stick in all of our minds, the thing that should con- convict us, that should continue to stir our heart, is that people just don't raise from the dead. Now, that's something that just doesn't happen. That's something that doesn't, doesn't I mean, I've never seen anything like that. And nobody at that time had. Being raised from the dead, never to die again, to go be with God with a promise that if you become part of my kingdom, the same thing is going to happen to you. You may die sometime in this life, but you're going to raise and you're going to go to be with me. You're going to, and you're going to be in a place where everything is as it should be. And so for us, we're really sitting in the same position as Nicodemus, is that we have a choice. We can say, well, uh, uh, too much to do, too much to chase, too many things in life and run or walk. Or we can say, no, I see that what Jesus has done here is real. And I see that I want, after I'm gone from this life, that I, I want to be raised to be with God as well. And what that means is I start by deciding I'm going to be, submit myself to be born of water and spirit. And Nicodemus knew that this wasn't just a, a quick fix. You submit to be born of water and spirit and then you go do what you want. He knew that this was a life change for him. And the same is true for us. Uh, is that all of us have this choice that am I going to, to walk away or am I going to decide to be born of water and spirit and make God number one and live that way day in, day out. Now, for those of us that have made that decision already to follow Christ and to, to be born of water and spirit, it's not just a one-time decision, is it? You know, and I, 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 I bring this up a lot because it's so important for us to remember this, is this is a decision that we make every day. Every day when I wake up, I have to make that decision once again. Am I going to be God's man today or am I just going to do what I want? And am I going to, to uh, just pursue whatever is, is comfortable today or am I going to do what is right? And I found that there's no day that I've ever woken up where I decided I'm going to be God's man today or I've got to the end of the day and said, boy, that was a waste of time. I really shouldn't have done that. I should have done whatever I wanted today. <laughs> it never happened. But the days that I have woken up and said, no, I want to do what I want, and I don't, I don't say that consciously. You know, I'm smart enough not to say that. I'm a little more sneaky than that. You know, but the days that I wake up and I realize, no, God's not number one sometime during this day, those are the days that I always look back and think, man, I wish I would have woken up and changed and done something different today. My family would have been better for it, and I would have been better for it, and, and I, I want to make that commitment tomorrow. So that's... I believe something great that we can learn from Nicodemus. If you haven't made that decision to enter the kingdom of God, then you can do that. You can do it today. You can do it whenever. There's a, no, there, you can come forward after we, we stand up here and start singing. You're welcome to do that. There's people in the back that are welcome to pray with you. You can find me. You know, call me this week. Whatever. Let's, let's talk. But if you have made that decision already to, uh, to be born of the water and spirit, then let's continue to make that decision every day that God is going to continue to be number one, and we do that day in, day out, then we will go to be in a place with God someday where everything is as it should be. We don't have to question and think, man, the world should be different. We're in that place where everything is exactly as God created it to be. And that's worth waking up every morning saying, I'm going to be God's person today for sure.
If you'd like to become a Christian, again, you're welcome to come forward, but you're welcome. Um, let's all stand and sing together.